Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Ricardo into the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and you're on the record. A weekly look at the evolving, turbulent, highly visible business of sports. Law, marketing, deal-making, administration, and the like. Boy, we have business every single week, and it only gets bigger. Opening segment, called the opening bell, the top five issues to worry about this week. Let's do them one through five. And number one, the Rays announced a $1.3 billion stadium in in St. Pete. The owner, Stu Sternberg, says this will make Major League Baseball committed to stay right here, he says, 86-acre site. The team's current stadium sits as part of the development of the historic gas plant district. $600 million in equal amounts, Pinellas County and the city of St. Petersburg, 8 million square feet of mixed-use development surrounding the site of the Rays ballpark, also plans for an African-American Museum of History on the site. City leaders say the historic project will invest more than $6.5 billion in St. Pete over 20 years, largest mixed-use development project in Tampa Bay history, 4,500 jobs, 1,500 annual, the other one is construction jobs, and 16-year saga seems to be over with one press conference. Still a lot of discussion about the sites in Tampa. What about farther east toward Orlando? MLB locked in to stay in southwest Florida with this massive investment in St. Petersburg. Looks pretty good. We'll see what happens. It's number one. Number two, look at the NFL. Number two and number three are both looking at different sites with different sports. The NFL, according to Peter O'Reilly, their EVP of Club and Business International League Events, said they may play future international games in Spain and Brazil as the league prepares to play three games in London over the next three Sundays. NFL is looking at the stadium of Real Madrid and the home of Atletico Madrid and some of the potential sites in Spain Neither Spain nor Brazil have hosted regular season NFL games. I was involved in a familiarization trip to Brazil, looking at the possibility of football in Brazil and the Brazilian national team in Florida and in other stadiums. And we'll see if that happens. Clearly, a massive commitment to the country, seeing how that works. But deal hadn't been baked yet. See where it goes. That's number two. Number three, look at the NHL. They plan their first trip to the Southern Hemisphere, first games over the weekend. The Kings and Coyotes play Saturday and Sunday in the Melbourne Laver Arena. Both the Coyotes and the Kings were, quote, surprised by the level of interest. Forty percent of the fans came from outside Victoria to attend the game while in Australia. Players from both teams attended an Australian Football League game at the Melbourne Cricket Ground Friday night. 98,000 fans in attendance. That's not the NHL. But this, in addition to the, what is in common with the NFL, 
both looking at exploring international markets and doing so in a sophisticated way. Still making issue number three. How about number four? Tied into college football, heading to our interview, by the way, segment two and number three, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Keith Gill, he'll talk about conference realignment and talk about the smaller boys as they compete with the Power Five, Power Six, whatever they are, with or without the Pac-12. But that's for the next segment. What about this one? College football, Maxwell uh, Award Committee and uh, Football Club. Very important to the relationship with awards. So let's talk about a couple of college issues and the Maxwell Football Club. Number four, Deion Sanders generated $45 million in earned media for Colorado. Over the three-week period at the beginning of September, 45.7 for the public university for not his pocket, but according to the Apex Marketing Group, the estimated value of all the TV, radio, print, digital, social media coverage around the program as they raced out to a 3-0 start. Obviously didn't include Oregon, but that's another issue. The University of of Colorado Boulder told the Daily Camera their own research indicated Sanders had generated over $90.55 million in collateral benefits. And according to the chancellor, Impressed by the excitement permeating campus, less quantifiable, but certainly as important as record-setting merchandise and ticket sales. And in fact, Colorado's uh, winning ways may have come to a screeching halt, obviously, but certainly the $29 million contract Dion signed over the offseason felt like a reach at the time. Now, probably a bargain. That's number four. Number five, again, with colleges. Texas and OU leaving the Big 12 maybe earlier than originally agreed. Conference says more than $80 million the schools will not get in 2024, 2025, and that may mean that they're leaving. Oklahoma, Texas, and the rest of the Big 12's continuing members talking about financing payments promised to the schools that just joined. Remember, the big deal is not just your guaranteed money but what you're able to finance in the future because of the rights fees. One of the reasons why any speculative dollars or conditioned dollars really may not work in that environment. And when you take a look at the overall numbers for Texas and Oklahoma, let's remember Oklahoma and Texas 2021 started the cascade. Have to see how that all works out. And the bottom line is, it affects everybody. Keith Gill, the commissioner of Sunbelt USA, will speak with him in the next segment and beyond what is affecting college football at all levels. Keith Gill. You always think of conference commissioners as opinion leaders. They all are, by the way, and they are at certain levels. We have somebody who is a tremendous uh, ambassador for college football. He's been at Vanderbilt. He was the AD at uh, University of uh, Richmond. He he was at American University. He served under my buddy Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma. Uh, there's a whole bunch with uh, uh, that we could talk about as far as diversity and experience. Let's just get him on. Keith Gill, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's really good to uh, meet you and be a part of your show. Well, awesome. And frankly, you've got a you got a pretty interesting mandate because you've got to do all of the things that conferences do on a regular basis. You've got to make sure that your ratio to 
nine men's and 10 women's sports at the last publication is somewhere similar. Women's always higher because Title IX. But you've also got to uh, uh, tend to and cultivate football as the revenue producer it is with all the NIL and transfer portal pitfalls. Yet you got to pay the appropriate amount of attention to all of the Olympic sports, the niche sports as well. You got to grow, you got to expand, you got to prevent raidership. You've got to deal with NIL. You got to deal with transfer portal. Uh, do they pay you enough? <laughs> <laughs> you know, unfortunately, they do because one of the parts of my job that I love so much is I get to go around the country watching football games. You know, and so yeah, um, pretty amazing that that's part of what I do and and get to spend all this time with student athletes. So it really is a labor of love for me. But you are right; the job is complex. I feel like with each day, it gets more complex. And certainly when I got into the business based on and, and what the business is now, it's so different. And I feel like week to week, month to month, um, things are coming at us so fast and changing so much that it, it certainly can be a challenge keeping up. Well, so it's been over 20 years or more you've been in the business, including uh, Richmond as an AD. Uh, what is the biggest change then when you first got in versus now? Yeah, you know, I think it's a couple of things. I think obviously the the money that's involved in intercollegiate athletics is so has grown so substantially that I actually think that has kind of um, impacted kind of the way the public thinks about our enterprise. And I think that 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 really has ended. Like when you look at court cases, um, you know, when I first worked at the NCA, the NCA seemed to always win their cases. You know, and now they're they're struggling to win some and some of them are really challenging and, um, and, and difficult. And so I get that piece. But it's 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 also I think that the, um, the the environment has changed in some significant ways. So I think you see that. I think you see the, think the pace. Um, I, I think the pace right now is so um, just fast and um, the, the landscape is changing um, so much. I think there's so much disruption right now when you think of like NIL and name, image, and likeness. You think about all the litigation, whether it's House Oliver or some of the other cases, the NLRB. And so I just think that there's a lot of challengings kind of coming our way in a really fast pace that's making us have to react in ways that we've never had to before. So you are a, uh, I was going to say legendary, you're going to correct me. You were running back at Duke, obviously, uh, as a, a guy who put a couple of kids through Duke. Uh, it's a great institution, but even more important than that, you had a chance to be around some uh, people I, I consider uh, icons and mentors, uh, Coach K, even though it was a different sport, Joe Castiglione in Oklahoma. Obviously, you learned from the best and around the best. What What is the, what skill that you think you've cultivated uh, prepared you for what you're doing today is it is it crisis management is it even keel is it personality what what what's your thought on that yeah you know i i think one of the things that's really important i really would point to some things that i learned from my mom and some of the other great leaders i've been around i mean you mentioned coach k he spoke to our football team pretty much once a year while i was at duke and then obviously you know joe castiglione is a great mentor of mine but i i think from a leadership standpoint one thing that I learned is really understanding why you are making decisions. And so I would like to think, you know, I talk a lot about 
knowing the path, knowing where you're going. And to me, that really means understanding your decision making and why you're making the choices you are making. And I think that helps you do a couple things. It, it makes sure that you're not doing random things. It makes you think you're doing things based on principles and philosophies that are um, dear to you. And it also means you can explain what you're doing. So if people have questions, if people think there should be a different path, you can actually have um, a, a conversation about that so you can figure out what the best way best way forward is. And my mom really started that for me because she doesn't make any move without a specific understanding of what that move is going to be and, and what she's trying to accomplish. And she instilled that into us at a long, young age. And I've really used that to try to develop my leadership style. And I think it's um, kind of followed me everywhere I've been. And I think it's been very helpful. And I would, I would just point to kind of knowing where I'm going as a really important part of my leadership style and being able to communicate that. It serves you well, but also it's kind of ironic in a way because you talk about college decision making generally. Now, I'm not talking I'm talking about the president and the board of trustee and the AD level as well, not just conference commissioners. And you look at one of the hallmarks of conference musical chairs that started effectively in this round, July 31 and 2021, where Oklahoma and Texas you know, end up going to the SEC. And then you've got three from the Big 12. You've got six from the American Conference USA. You know, you all are there. And it's characterized as kind of last minute, midnight crisis management meetings. It's not all that, but it's it's a pretty frenetic and turbulent world we're living in now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. You know, when I when I think back to those times, I mean, I feel like we were in a meeting with our ADs so maybe it was around our football media day or something like that when the Oklahoma news came and we were all like looking at our phones like, oh, my gosh, wow, Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. That That's seismic. You know, that's that's tremendous. And um, and so we knew there could be some downstream impacts, you know, over time with the way kind of realignment works. So we really started meeting um, regularly um, as a conference with our CEOs and ADs trying to map out a strategy, just trying to think of, OK, um, who do we want to be? What makes sense? Um, and we really decided that we wanted to kind of really double down on kind of a regional aspect, which, you know, I think is seems to be getting more um, infrequent um, when you look at kind of how co conference realignment is going. But we thought that was going to be important. We wanted to focus on um, programs with really um, good football tradition, uh, tradition of winning, um, passionate fan bases, good schools kind of in our regional footprint. And so once we kind of developed that idea and that thought process, it really allowed us to um, double down and understand kind of what we wanted our membership to look like when we were finished with this. And it made some of the decision making much more clear in terms of what schools made sense for us and, and what schools didn't. And we can't be more happy with the choices that we have. You know, we added, you know, Southern Miss and um, JMU, ODU and Marshall to, um, you know, kind of 10 great football schools. Well, and they're good schools, they're good programs, they got great kids and all of that kind of stuff, which is important. But, you know, when we were kids, um, I remember, uh, I didn't know this, but there was a guy named Rand and a guy named McNally, and they came together and said, let's make maps. And all of a sudden, they make billions of dollars. I mentioned that kind of on the stump to young media folks today. They have no idea who they are. But, uh, you know, uh, I didn't know that uh, Cal and Stanford we're playing near the Atlantic Ocean. It's because the conference is called the Atlantic Coast Conference. I mean, who would have who would have known that? You you went through some of that, but probably before you arrived as commissioner. 
but it's it's kind of interesting that you're talking about your brand being uh, true to geography as well. You had Idaho and New Mexico State. There were discussions about them early. And I guess you got to stay true to your brand in some cases, right? Yeah, I think that that's really important. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to figure out who you are. Or if you don't know who you are, you got to figure it out. And, and, and it's important to do that before you go about changing your membership, adding folks, because, you know, they're going to be with you for with a long time. And so I think going through that exercise for us was really helpful. You know, we had some real honest conversations and tried to get a sense of who we wanted to be. And this point about regionalization really helps us in a lot of ways because it allows us to create uh, more fan-friendly environments. We've taken regional rivalries that have existed for a long time and reestablished those in ways that have made those fans more excited. That issue of reinstating old regional rivalries uh, isn't one of the first things you hear. It's always about additional revenue and, you know, television harmony and all of that. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And I do think the interesting thing is, you know, you know, folks focus so much on TV revenue and media revenue, which is really important. I try to totally get but the reality is we're trying to win at the gate, too. And creating like compelling competition is really important. Creating opportunities for fans to go to away games that helps drive traffic and fill stadiums. And I think all those things create revenue and associated value that I think is really important in college athletics. The metaphor may not be appropriate, but you're on, the he you're on your heels. You're playing defense a lot. Uh, when you look at the history in the 2010s, uh, and post Oklahoma, uh, Texas floodgates, and you look at Conference USA, American Mountain West, and Sun Belt. Uh, there's always this this. All right, I'm gonna look at one. I'm not gonna look at the other one. I'm gonna take these two. I'm gonna leave these two. These two leave. These two stay. Uh, was there always kind of a strategy of your? You know, you're never comfortable. You got to look at the contracts, but you got to always look also look at the buyouts in those contracts too. And and uh, you know, how do you how, how, how do you deal with long-term planning? Do you deal with long-term planning with, uh, you know, looking behind you a little bit too or not? You know, not so much. Now, I, I think I don't want to be so naive to say I'm not always monitoring the landscape or we as a conference are not always monitoring the landscape because you just never know what's going to happen. You know, I mean, you can look at the PGA Tour and whether or not, you know, they thought Live Golf was coming or you just never know when there's going to be disruptors. So I think that you um, I think you always got to make sure that you're looking at the landscape and understanding what's happening around you. That being said, what we've really tried to do is build the best conference that we can and really listen to our members, try to get a sense of what they want, really look at the landscape and see what things are valuable. You know, one of the good things about our regional footprint is it's a differentiator for us. You know, if you look around. And um, our peer conferences, no one has that kind of footprint. You know, we play 75% of our games in most sports in division. And, and so that creates a lot of great rivalries, increased a lot of close, close competitions, lots of bus rides. And I think those things are, are, are great. So I do think if we really focus on creating the best conference that we can, it means that our members will be interested in being engaged and stay and, and less likely to be tempted to go other places. And that's really what we've tried to do. Focus internally, make a great conference, do the things that our members want us to do. And we feel like good things will happen if we do it that way, rather than looking over our shoulders and always trying to compete. Um, because I just think it's hard to live that way, you know, and, and I think it's hard to always try to figure out, all right, what are these folks doing over here? And are they going to try to steal a school? What are they doing over here? 
you know, if we create the best conference we can, then people will want to be a part of it and we won't have to worry about them going other places. Well, I will tell you, Keith, it's hard to live that way. But uh, over the last couple of years, most people were living that way. And and part of the, you know, COVID world is now you have a double whammy. You got to look over your shoulder and you got to make sure you can emerge from COVID. Uh, how did you do do uh, COVID wise relative to your schools and your programs? Yeah, you know, the COVID is so interesting to me because if, um, you know, in 2018, someone had told me that the NCAA basketball tournament would be canceled. I would just laugh at them. I wouldn't think there's any fact pattern or scenario that would cause that tournament to get canceled. And obviously I didn't, I'm not a um, virologist or, you know, any kind of medical professional because someone would say, Hey, global pandemic would do it, you know? And so now I know that that's the case. So I think that, you know, the reality is, um, you know, COVID for us was challenging. I mean, I think it was was challenging for everyone, but we wanted to um, play I think we were fortunate that we got through COVID in a healthy way. I mean, obviously some people contracted it, but we didn't have, you know, any real adverse um, kind of illnesses from it. And so I think that's the first thing where you say, hey, that's a victory um, in terms of that from our conference. And then I think the second piece, we were able to play our sports on time, really all of them across the board. Um, we didn't just play football in the wall, fall. We played volleyball as well. We played soccer. Um, we played all our sports on schedule. Um, And we thought that was important for our student athletes to have an opportunity to participate, have the most, you know, normal, if that's the right word to use, um, semester that they could and um, and give them opportunities to play and also compete for championships. And I really commend our ADs and CEOs for doing that. And we had a COVID advisory, kind of a, a group of medical professionals that advised us on how to do these things in a safe way. And I certainly give them, you know, a lot of credit, and a lot of thanks in that regard. So I think, um, you know, we came through COVID about as, as, as positively as we could. Um, and I think we've had some really good outcomes and, and, and created some good re- momentum, you know, from a competitive standpoint, you know, for the Sunbelt Conference. You mentioned other sports, not just football. I think it's important for people to understand that you are not merely a football administrator. The Sunbelt uh, Conference was created in 76 effectively as a non-football conference now you added football in 2001 as you know but look at all of the sports that you deal with the nine men and ten women but the other focus i think is important is the kind of beach volleyball discussion is a good example uh you look at your core schools but you add at least the last press uh, release that you had mercer and unc wilmington and stephen f austin and and charlotte these are schools that came in uh, conditionally or for an individual sport. So the point is you're looking at combining and mixing and matching, and it's all about dollars, but it's all about giving athletes opportunities. And it's clearly not just football. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. You know, I mean, we really are trying to um, provide opportunities for student athletes. You know, I, I always say the best thing that we do are championships and giving people an opportunity to compete and win a championship is a special opportunity that, that, that I think all of our students love. And and we as administrators love being there and love providing them those opportunities. You know, we started new sports um, since we added schools. We re-added men's soccer, um, beach volleyball. This year we're starting um, swimming and diving um, on the women's side. And so, which is great. We want to be good at everything. We want to have a comprehensive sport offering that's really important to us. And so those are things that we that we are working through. But I do think you know, football is certainly where our bread is buttered. It's how we've been able to build our brand, but it's not the only thing that we want to do. 
Um, we want to be good at everything. We're focused on getting better at men's and women's basketball right now. We have great baseball. We had four teams um, in the NCAA tournament. Um, last year we had in softball, we had multiple teams um, in the NCAA tournament. This year we also had a team go to the Super Regional in baseball and softball. So we really are trying to be good at everything. We had two men's golf teams in the NCAA tournament as well. And, um, and so I think you bring up a good point. We're not just a football conference. We don't just focus on football. We focus on being great at everything we do. And, um, and that means any sport we sponsor, we really want to compete on a national level. So you got to play three-dimensional chess with your member schools relative to, and again, not just football, but all sports, stadium, facility standards, sponsorship dollars, budget integrity, um, uh, recruiting standards. I, I assume part of your, it's a carrot and stick world, but you've got to be a uh, kind of anticipatory troubleshooter. You got to find some schools or some uh, programs where you got to shore up some areas so they don't become problems later on. Uh, I assume everything's great, but it's only because you have a great vision and you're worried about this stuff 24 seven. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're always working with our schools to try to um, get better. Like our, our mental health kind of um, initiative right now is is really important just because I think our schools, they do a great job in terms of providing mental health. But, you know, the support and resources that student athletes need right now are really significant. And um, and so we just want to make sure that we're providing opportunities to supplement um, our schools to help them provide more for their student athletes. So that's important. So I, I think you're right. We are always looking for ways to supplement what our schools are doing, um, whether that's academics and degree completion and trying to make sure that we improve graduation rates for any student, because that's important to us. We want to make sure that anyone that comes to a Sunbelt school um, has the opportunity to obtain a degree, even if they've exhausted their eligibility. Um, health and safety as well. Um, you know, so post post-participation care for injuries and those kind of things are something we've been talking about for a long time. The NCA has added that as well, but we've been doing that for years already in the Sunbelt Conference. And so I think you're right. There are a lot of things that we do kind of as a conference initiative um, to really help our schools support um, students kind of well beyond just kind of the field and, and those opportunities to compete. All right. So here's, here's the candid question. You got to answer it in a candid way. Uh, you know, you've been, uh, you, you've seen, the big boys, you were at Oklahoma for three years, a little while, and you've seen some of the other big boys. So you're watching the Power Five commissioners and you're watching the Power Five schools, at least as they're called now. You want to hug those guys? You want to learn from them? Or you want to throw darts at them? Well, certainly, um, yeah. You know, they're my friends and colleagues, so I, I love hugging them um, and I love learning from them. You know, I think the interesting thing is I feel like we, we really do have great relationships um, amongst the commissioner colleagues. And um, and so I, I don't I don't think that means I agree with everything they want. And I, I suspect they don't agree with everything that I want either. So there certainly are times that, you know, we 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 are trying to convince them to do something different or their position could frustrate us. But I think that's just um, par for the course. You know, at the end of the day, um, life is really about trying to um, influence and, um, and, and, and convince folks into your perspective. And I think we do that in a collegial way. So I think the commissioners are great. I think the A5 commissioners are, you know, friends of mine and, um, and, and certainly the non-A5 um, FBS commissioners and really all the commissioners in Division One. Um, I have some sort of relationship with that, that I cherish and think is really important. So no darts, 
you know, all really hugs and, um, and, and learning. Where is Keith Gill 10 years from now? Yeah. So hopefully I'm still here, um, at the Sunbelt conference. So hopefully they hadn't gotten rid of me. Um, and hopefully I will have gone to, um, you know, I need to get to, um, Egypt and I also need to get to, um, Vietnam and Cambodia. So those are a couple of things, a couple of places on my list, um, that I'd want to travel to. So hopefully I'm still Sunbelt commissioner, um, living in New Orleans. And I actually got a World War II trip that I've planned out that at some point I need to take. So, Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you that the Sun Belt is in really good hands. Keith Gill gives us some interesting perspectives. He's basically been everywhere. He has worked under Oklahoma AD Joe Castiglione years ago, taken on his own issues. And the bottom line is he's made a commitment to the Sun Belt, lives, works in New Orleans, you hear his passion, and between Conference USA, Sun Belt, American, Mountain West, pretenders? No, they are more than that. They are the next step after you deal with the top guys. But with the playoff system, it's not just the top guys anymore. It's everybody else. The other end and the unintended consequences, let's say, of conference musical chairs. Well, now the grab bag segment, we've got a little bit of a lot of stuff in the sports world, especially the sports business world. Let's start with the gambling issues. Kentucky sports betting catalog expands ahead of their online launch. Their Kentucky Horse Racing Commission Sports Wagering Advisory Council approved five new sporting events for Kentucky sports betting. Additions to the sports wagering catalog come as online betting is set to debut September 28th. In-person sports betting, September 7, the Kentucky uh, group approved the initial sports betting catalog in, in August. The in-person sports books have accepted approximately $4.5 million in bets through the first two weeks, according to a Thursday relief from Governor Andy Beshear. The amount wagered is poised to jump significantly with online sports books. Online sports books set to launch on or around September uh, 28. Barstool Sportsbook, Bet365, BetMGM, Caesars, Circus Sports, DraftKings, Fanatics, and FanDuel. But wait, we're not alone. That's a great relationship and progress report. But how about North Carolina? The professional sports teams are in line to potentially gain more power in the betting market. The budget proposal in the North Carolina General Assembly attained by WRAL gives sports betting market access control solely to state's professional sports teams. The existing online sports betting law operators partnered with the vote on the $30 million billion budget this week expected to be voted on by the General Assembly and the NC Sports Betting Law signed earlier this year, says that the industry has to go live between January 8th of next year and June 14. Where, how, what happens, it's obviously open to question, like every other state. And while Governor Roy Cooper signed the legislation in June, very little moved forward uh, toward launch has actually happened. The details have to be worked out. And the North Carolina Education Lottery is remained mostly quiet in regard to sports betting regulation. And with a launch required by June 14 at the latest, that's going to change soon. The budget will be key in the Republican legislators working to include physical commercial casino language into the North Carolina budget. Still, 
Sources suggest the situation could carry to delay budget negotiations further. And yeah, there are already tribal casinos in the state, which also have in-person sports books through the 2020 legislation. That's the gambling issues in Kentucky and in North Carolina. Obviously, more of them down the road. How about sports tech? Well, a few issues there, which are very important. The Barca Innovation Hub gives sports tech sessions at their edition of the World Football Summit, held in Seville, September 20 and 21. Naturally, the Barca Innovation Hub was among those organizations represented. Director Albert Munday giving a session 2030, Sports Technologies in the Next Decade. That must have been an incredibly interesting subject. He also covered the standardization of technological formats and how it's creating unity in the sector until recently that was so highly fragmented in this regard. Finally, he discussed the prioritization and personalization, both in terms of the provision of increasingly more accurate and real-time data to athletes and in terms of fans who are gaining so much more of a decision-making role in their background and tastes. The Summit 2023 consisted of 35 sessions across two days, about 150 speakers from around the world, and serves as a meeting point for clubs, federations, associations, major companies, startups, and a host of other stakeholders in the football industry. And by the way, that's combined with other tech issues as well. Because when you consider how important tech is, it's not just that, but it's other issues like the development of high-stakes technology in other areas, and clearly very, very important. And the gaming space as well. So how about good sports? How about philanthropy? It is 12 to 14% of the overall sports business, but it goes a long way to legitimizing all other aspects of the sports business. We're going to cover at least one story each week that rises above the fray. And this week... Congratulations to Kevin Durant. Remember, he was born and lived in the D.C., Maryland area. And it's a great week to be a Bowie State University Bulldog. A year after Kevin Durant and the Durant Family Foundation announced a $500,000 endowment to help transform the students' and schools' basketball gym and revitalize its athletic programs, the finished project officially unveiled on hand Ms. Wanda Durant, who leads the Durant Family Foundation. She obviously took credit, but also talked about giving back to HBCU schools, additional funding toward the complex for A.C. Jordan's Arena, located within the physical education complex, will come from the public sector as well as the school. Facility improvements at Bowie State, the new basketball court, additional bleachers, upgrades to the press box. Tremendously grateful to Kevin Durant and the Durant Family Foundation for their donation and obviously very important, says Bowie State's men's basketball coach, Daryl Brooks. Players are super excited. Who wouldn't be? The added seating will allow more fans and at the D2 level, CIAA conference, alumni, recruits, parents, students, all involved. He didn't attend Bowie State during his collegiate days, uh, remember Texas, but he grew up in Prince George's County, where Bowie State is located. In addition to the court, Kevin Durant and the foundation will also establish a scholarship fund 
for the Durant Center college track students who decide to attend Bowie State. Thank you, Kevin Durant. Thank you for the philanthropy. We'll cover one or two of these stories every week. And then additionally in the grab bag, how about the top three off-field matchups brought to you by the Maxwell Football Club that are happening the week of September 25 to October 1? Number one, 8 USC against unranked, (laughs) we're ranked, Colorado. The showdown of the week back in Boulder to watch the biggest story in college football and the Colorado Buffaloes take on Heisman-winning quarterback Caleb Williams and his USC Trojans. And while CU was served a bit of a reality check pie last week from Oregon, this week's matchups still NFL scouts dream watching two elite quarterbacks in Shadur Sanders and Caleb Williams face off. While not only are both teams QBs two of the best in college football, they're both experts on how to capitalize on their talents, being ranked second and fifth in on three's NIL 100 valuation rankings. Williams recently teamed up with USC legend Matt Leinert in a string of commercials for Wendy's, who's long been a partner in college football before current student-athletes could be featured in commercials. Williams projected to be the number one pick in the draft next year, and he's getting plenty of preparation in dealing with the media and marketing himself while playing in the massive L.A. market. USC has been a big relevant brand in college football for decades, known for being the epitome of West Coast flair and L.A. swagger, dating back to the Pete Carroll days. And meanwhile, seemingly overnight after the hire of one of their more magnetic characters in sports, Deion Sanders, practically molding their entire program around the charisma of their new leader. In a way, one can draw many similarities between the cultures of these two programs. Lots of flash, high-scoring offenses, celebrities donning the sidelines, big-name hires, and a head coach, USC versus Colorado. The media's dream to create storylines on and off the field. Number two. 13 LSU travels to 20 Old Miss, Lane Kiffin's Old Miss Rebels, a great SEC top 25 matchup. LSU, a possible CFP contender on the field, and the athletic program continues to dominate in building its value and make waves across social media, notably increasing their total engagement by 76.8% in the past year and increasing equivalent media value by 29% also done this not only by promoting their strong football and basketball programs, but also embracing and leading the way in creating opportunities for their female student-athletes. Top to bottom, LSU has one of the strongest athletic programs across all sports and have the media value to back it up. Along with the LSU Tigers being over social media and national airwaves, they also take the initiative to connect and do business with Louisiana locals, recently announcing a partnership with Noel Family Distillery, the only Louisiana distillery to offer authentic, additive-free tequila. Noel Tequila will become the official tequila of LSU Athletics and be available at Tiger Stadium for fans to try. They won't be able to do it this weekend, though. They are in Oxford. The Old Miss Rebels suffered loss to Alabama last week, but on the, off the field took a big win as the Grove Collective, an Old Miss-driven NIL collective, surpassed its $3 million fundraising goal in just 10 days. 
They did so by running a week-long NIL fundraising campaign, starting with a three-hour live stream on the Athletic Program's YouTube channel. Obviously, on the field and off the field, big deals with these rivals. Number three, Baylor at UCF. The future of college football is what UCF has often proclaimed of themselves, with a meteoric rise to the top of the college football world. Being the fastest program ever to go from D3 in its inception to D1 Power 5 schools. They began play at 79, more than three decades later, next youngest P5, and its upcoming matchup with Baylor, yet another milestone, being the first Power 5 in conference home game after joining the Big 12 this year. Despite having rivals of UF, Miami, and FSU in the state, they've kicked the door down with a chip on their shoulder and made it known they're a force to be reckoned with in and out of college football. Student enrollment, by the way, 68,442, the second largest university in the country. Diverse city, tourist attraction, Disney World, Universal. Florida being a hotbed for football talent, and UCF growing tendency to beat out P5 neighbors for local recruits. They're facing Waco, Texas' very own Baylor Bears in their first Big 12 home game. Despite being new to the conference, the UCF played Baylor once before, upsetting the Bears in the 2014 Fiesta Bowl 54-42, becoming the biggest underdog victors ever in BCS Bowl history, with NIL becoming so prominent in college athletics. The rules for it are still open to interpretation and change state to state. So recently, Baylor University President Linda Livingstone had a press conference with Texas Senator Ted Cruz to talk about NIL and see how to offer solutions. And she believes Cruz's proposal would improve the laws in their state. In the meantime, the bounce house rocking this weekend with two programs with bright economic futures on and off the field. Clearly, big three college football games with off-field implications. Last segment, we're looking at, let's call it, the three big things to watch for next week and trends in the sports business. Number one, technology, but very important in the big picture. The Philadelphia Eagles have installed Sports Beam's LED lighting technology throughout the link. They produce the only single-glass optic LED fixtures in the industry, patented technique designed to reduce glare and maximize uniformity of light distribution. New lighting system debuted with the Eagles' Week 2 home opener, flashing during player introductions and after touchdowns. It'll be used a lot during the Eagles this year. And another client is Tampa Bay Raymond James Stadium, the featuring the Super Bowl halftime show two years ago. Bottom line is not just the technology, but the constant fan innovation that teams are doing. And that's number one. But big things to watch. Number two, another example of fan experience. Nissan Stadium, home to the Tennessee Titans, was not set ablaze ahead of Sunday's afternoon's game, but the famous group with their scanned QR code displayed on the stadium's jumbotron before kickoff simulates those events via a new, they call it mixed reality disturbance. They talk about plunging into the turf, cracking the ground, 3D AI all to enhance the fan experience. More to come on that issue, most certainly, as we get into technology next week and beyond. And the final third big thing to watch is the PGA Tour 
announcing they're returning to Maui following the wildfires. The sentry at Kapalua, five months after the deadly wildfires, coming back. It'll be back at Kapalua for January 4 through 7. The tour previously said that they would think about it. Hawaii Governor Josh Green, by the way, an avid golfer, told him to go forward and use the property at the Kapalua Resort, which was not affected. But the most important issue here, charity, philanthropy, the PGA Tour, sports again, helping a tremendously devastating tragedy somewhat coming back and recovering because of sports and what they're able to do. And join us next week when we go on the record with more issues in the world of sports. Sports professor Rick Harrow, speak with you soon.